Hey everyone, before we begin this episode, I just wanted to stop and let you know we have a bit of a content warning on this one. In the second half of the episode, once we are done discussing the events of the last session, there is a very, very brief discussion involving sexual assault at a D&D table in character. And if this is something that is problematic for you, you can very easily skip past that or skip the entire section. Up to you. Just want to make sure you are aware that this is a thing that we discuss so no one is caught unaware by this. Otherwise, enjoy the episode, which begins now. Hello, and welcome once again to What's the Damage? Companion show to the incredibly well-known and popular real-play D&D show, Roll for Damage, as seen on television. Last Friday, our heroes did some wheeling and some dealing and some more wandering around in alleys. They did manage to find the man that they were paid to find and actually managed to get pretty much everything they wanted. There was um, also one very clutch cameo from Lex, which was super fun. Uh, to whom they now owe quite a bit. We'll be discussing that and a bunch of other stuff right now. Then after, uh, after our, our weekly recap, we'll be discussing another nightmare scenario for D&D players, how to deal with problematic players and trouble at the table. As always, stick around after the stream for links and resources. I'm your host, Truth Benson, and this is What's the Damage? Welcome back. Joining me today is the gross couple themselves. We have the wonderful Chad, the wonderful Laura playing Quinn and Perry respectively. So guys, what's the damage? You had a very important meeting and did a little bit of role play inside your role play. And uh, nobody died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, miracle upon miracles, nobody died. <laughs> right? Yeah, let's pick Perry to be the face of everything. That's a good idea. <laughs> I mean, she didn't do no half bad, to be ever. honest. No, she did pretty great. I yeah. mean, also, she's a way better choice than p- putting Quinn in that situation because <laughs> negative one to all charisma-based abilities. And the only reason I'm not rolling negative on saves is because I'm a cleric. And Quinn loves just fighting people, so... I mean, he's better at that than talking to people. Why have feelings when you can have a hammer? Yeah, play your strengths, play your strengths. (laughs) Quinn's entire personality is just fight me. Um, (laughs) Not his entire personality, most of it, but not all of it. percentage. He has some layers. One, he has a layer. (laughs) He's like a single onion ring. Yes. Yeah. Crunchy and delicious. Anyway, um, so at the beginning of the episode, you guys did go in circles a little bit, but eventually decided that the very best possible option, um, and what I think was the funnest option, which was Perry going along with Dobby and pretending to be the butcher. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. That was a delight. (laughs) I just... I mean, it boiled down to who hadn't been seen. And the problem was the only one who hadn't been seen was Perry. Well, okay, let's put it this way. The only one who hadn't been seen and also hadn't done drugs or slept on a table. And could lie convincingly. 
maybe. Has Cynric been seen? No, but he slept on a table and was exhausted. Okay, true. Yeah, and unfortunately, Oriana had uh, made herself known in Baltime's blue, so. Yes. <laughs> you know. Less so by forget. process of elimination, we had our Lady Butcher. <laughs> Lest we forget Baltime is blue. We must always remember every episode. Baltime I mean, is blue. The tallest like, smurf. <laughs> the tallest smurf. Like one of the, um, like from Avatar. The yeah. movie from way back when. Do you remember that? That came out 20 years ago. I did, do remember it, that. It did not okay. actually come out 20 years okay, ago. I say, That's like, a lie. I've got enough dry, gray hairs. Please do not add to them today. <laughs> you don't have any right now. They're all purple or pink. That's Pinkish not true. purple. That is not true. I found a great big one. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've been going gray since I was 26, y'all. I found a gray hair when I was 23, but my mom pulled it out. And now I haven't got another one since. I'm sad. Anyway, um, off topic. So, off topic. <laughs> this whole show is off topic. <laughs> we we go back and forth. Okay, we get on top. We get off top. We go back to topic. It's fine. It's cool. It's, it's the viewers it's love it. The viewers love it. It's like having a conversation with us. Parasocial relationships. Anyway, um, <laughs> so. <laughs> You guys, uh, so like Perry's hardly the face of the group, but you did not do half bad, I thought. Um, so what were you like thinking going into the situation? How confident was Peregrine, was Peregrine and how confident were you as a player that you could pull something off? As a player? Eh, I mean, I was channeling like three different characters trying to like make Perry seem like she might be possibly the butcher. Mm -hmm. But also, I was like, I'm one bad deception roll away from death this whole time. Isn't that always true? Um, that does sum up a lot of D&D, yeah. Terrified. There was a reason she didn't make small talk. She was very straightforward, which honestly I think was a pretty good, um, was a good vibe to have. Very butcherly. Mm -hmm. Especially when you are like wholesale making up a personality for this um, drug lord. I think my biggest fear and Perry's biggest fear was, oh no, this guy is going to know who the butcher is. Like I'm going to get yeah. in there and he's going to actually know who the butcher is. Yeah. And I'm... he's going to take one look at this little crunchy druid bitch and say, uh, <laughs> no. Like you look different than last time we had coffee. Yeah, really. Uh-huh. Changed a lot since Friday. <laughs> and, then, and then he had to say he was from Dash. Yeah. And I, I swear I was white knuckle on the chair, just like, mm, please don't know who the butcher is. Please don't know who the butcher is. Yeah. I do have to say too, what like when you guys were um, like walking through the alleys towards the thing and, uh, and your guys starting at started asking about like cuts and purity and like uh, like movement. I was like, oh fuck. And actually I also thought that um, the one he said cut, he meant purity of the product. I also thought that apparently he meant money. But anyway, um, so what was it like like throughout the whole experience, just like tag teaming bullshit with Dobby, who I don't think Perry has worked with that closely before, like maybe once or twice, but. Yeah, no, Perry and Dobby don't, they're the unlikely buddy cop duo. Mm -hmm. Like you expect it to be like Baldaim and, and Dobby out there buying and doing drugs. Um, but for Perry, it was really, she had a lot riding on her and like the, the amount of pressure on that tiny little druid. Um, <laughs> don't mess this up. Um, but for me, it was, it was a blast. I was terrified, white knuckle on the edge of my seat, like one bad roll is gonna screw everything. And right as Perry screwed up, and I thought I had a very good answer. My deception thought otherwise. Um, <laughs> the dice disagreed. I thought it was a good answer too. It was like, okay, um, this sounds plausible. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I was trying, Perry was trying to remember like, no, I know who runs one of them. I don't know who runs the other, but Dobby has said a lot about how he works for no one. So let's just go with no one. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then the dice said, no, you're a liar, and he knows it. Mm -hmm. um, 
but Dobby comes in clutch and I have never been so grateful for his mouth in my life because except when he offered a thousand gold yeah he offered money we do not have yeah he really highballed you there yeah I was like, uh, <laughs> uh, but I mean Perry really Perry was super nervous but also like she knew that somebody had to do it and a lot of times that's how she winds up doing things well somebody has to do it somebody has to leave and find a cure somebody has to go pretend to be a dog and sniff around for clues <laughs> somebody has to go be the butcher so <laughs> why not perry right why not perry that's a lot of things yeah do you need I think a scooby-doo why not perry <laughs> i think i said this before but i feel like perry is like sort of stepping into the role of that one kid in the group project who's the only one who actually cares about the group project so they're in charge by default yeah it's a little bit of that i mean and especially with the current current mission when we all couldn't get along and we all couldn't like decide what we wanted to do and perry's just like look we made a promise we have to follow through on the promise mm -hmm. yeah speaking of that you guys did manage to find callahan um yay so i guess everything does tie back in the end are you looking forward to being able to fulfill that promise and getting a little bit of money in your pockets again especially after yeah. you had to pay 500 gold to get dobby back alive yeah yeah we're mm -hmm. gonna make dobby earn back his 500 yeah. gold worth dobby, dobby keeps costing <laughs> us money i mean he's, he's a very expensive halfling yeah he, he keeps costing us money for bad decisions halfling. he makes Look, he's accustomed to a certain lifestyle. <laughs> that lifestyle being... <laughs> um, <laughs> writing checks that his tiny ass can't cash while his friends have to cover for him financially. It's a lifestyle. It, it is a lifestyle. I'm not saying it isn't, but apparently that's what he's chosen. Yeah. But anyway, can you tell me um, like how both of your characters feel about having accomplished like this task, which you almost like handed off to the guard several times, but then like took back, they had to try to hand off again, then took back and you're like, finally, okay, we did this. We did it. I mean, Quinn's probably feeling pretty good about it because he <laughs> actually got to accomplish something that helps somebody else. Also, I'm not sure how close he was to trying to hand things off to the guards. Like, I don't think either of you characters were, but... No, I, he was like of a mind of, okay, fine, if we literally reach our deadline where we have no choice but to leave town, but yeah. we've got enough intelligence to give to someone else to try and solve this, then okay, mm -hmm. I guess that yeah. makes sense. But until then, it's, no, this person is in danger we promised we would help therefore help <laughs> i think for perry she'll feel she feels pretty accomplished because like she didn't feel like she doesn't trust the guards very much mm -hmm. given what happened in dahana when the sheriff was corrupt as all get out um and then they got thrown in jail in <laughs> zarizamar which but you know that was actually kind of their fault a little bit but at the same time, like she doesn't trust guards because she hasn't had a good experience with one. Mm. And she's heard twice that the guards wouldn't help someone. They didn't help the lady whose family was in the desert. They didn't help this man find his son. So she just assumed, well, they're gonna shrug this off unless they find this kid's body. And we don't want to find this mm. kid's body. So for her, it's like a big sense of accomplishment. I told you we could do this but I don't think she's going to really feel accomplished until we deal with the real source. Definitely. Which is something exciting is going to happen next episode, probably. Um, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, but that's something that I have been noticed as you guys have been wandering around Zerithmar, like as a viewer, it really does seem like the guards are just very concerned with their roots and nothing else. Just like real cops. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, <laughs> it's interesting wandering around because the guards are, essentially the guards seem to just be here in this town to maintain status quo. Yeah. Is this on fire? No. Should it have been on fire? No. We're fine. Mm 
and then they oh. wander on to the next thing yeah. and continue and they, they basically it's like that is their job is they wander through town making sure the uh-huh. things that are burning should be burning and that should not be burning are not but anything else outside of that they seem to just be like your your husband's missing okay file a report do to do uh your son was kidnapped probably file a report and then just they continue on it's this <laughs> it's basically enforcement by doing nothing except solving the large problems right which is why you adventures exist mm-hmm. taking care of the little guy there is a reason vigilantes are a thing <laughs> dnd is basically vigilantism it is it is we it's, literally had this conversation as a group yeah it's fantasy superheroes like, yeah we're, we're we're gonna commit crimes but we're gonna commit crimes for the right reasons because we're vigilantes so it's okay Right. I mean, if you think about think people like, you know, like the street level superheroes, like, you know, Batman, Daredevil, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, they're committing assault. I mean, yeah. yes, lots of assault. Like Batman is a good example because he, he is committing several felonies in the course of an evening. <laughs> but the idea so of what he's doing, the, the, what he's committing the felonies for amounts. is he's trying to stop the drug ring, mm-hmm. the weapons trafficking, the human trafficking, the Joker. Therefore, what's a few assaults here and there if it means that there's not all those things on the street? Mm-hmm. Yeah, also in like Batman lore, like Gotham PD is famously corrupt and incompetent. Oh, yeah. so. There's literally like two, maybe three good cops at a time in the entire city. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting off topic again. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, we have to talk about Batman. Batman comes up. Like, that's the rule. <laughs> anyway, um, so, Quinn, while Perry was doing um, doing her level best, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you um, you were wandering around looking for a T-shaped gray building following some very confusing instructions. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How was that? <laughs> you that fun? was, I mean... For the player, this whole thing was just absolutely nuts and a lot of fun. For the character, at that point, it was just, and I said this during the stream, it's like, you know, if you're trying to find something and you got directions from a friend and then the friend gave you the worst shit directions ever, and then the longer you're trying to find the place the friend guided you to, the angrier you get at the friend that gave you the directions, at the idea of the directions, at the fact that you're even going anywhere, at just everything. Like by the time you even arrive there, you're just so pissed. You don't even want there to be a place there anymore. Want to have burned down. <laughs> you want it to have burned down just so you can stand there and be like, good. <laughs> you deserve this. <laughs> That's about where he was by the, by the end of it. And had he not seen uh, Perry running out and you know being visibly upset and giving him something else to focus on and a problem that was obviously coming up he most likely would have tried to find dobby and then get his hammer and golf swing him down the street might still happen Um, one of these days yeah yeah so luckily you guys had lex in your pocket which um pocket which turned out to be quite clutch um i was worried for a second though that you guys maybe would try to do something else because occasionally you know you come up with bad plans um sure what do you think would have happened if you guys had like failed to remember that you have lex uh in the back pocket as it were i think walter might have gotten his way yeah um because for whatever reason Maybe it was the hangover from the drugs, but Baltaim just wanted to go in and kill everybody. He was aggro as fuck. He was very I mean, aggro. Like... And the thing was, Perry would have gone with him. Yeah. Mm. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Quinn would have gone because I mean, you people wander away from her for five minutes and probably yeah. die. So that's true. He does not want that to happen. Yeah, because there was no way we were going to get the guards to come rescue him. And we're like, no. oh, what? You intended uh, to do a drug deal? Mm-hmm. And you got busted? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying there's there's this drug ring distributing things out of a warehouse down in the warehouse district. That's far. <laughs> 
I'm going on break in like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, look, if I'm going to catch my fantasy bus, I really got to go now. So just um, tell the day shift guy when he gets here in seven hours. Oh, when yeah. You adventuring type, so you just keep blowing holes in, win- in, in buildings and um, killing spiders. Oh, I mean. Yeah. What are we going to do? Stop the drug ring? God, so, right? Um, so much effort. You want us to we're, work? <laughs> we're very busy walking our routes. You know, this is yeah. a big deviation. Like, I do not go to the warehouse district normally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that T-shaped gray building is none of my concern. <laughs> that's that's Greg's shift. Yeah. And he won't be in until tomorrow. Actually, so, no, Greg's on vacation. So uh, come back in a week. Oh man, that's the way of stuff. Stupid Greg. Hey, stupid Greg going on vacation. Like we know his wife is like super pregnant right now, but whatever. Seriously, I mean, God. Like, there's no one together. else. There's no one else is gonna guard these T-shaped buildings. Get your shit Boring. together, Greg. Right. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I think you guys could have probably fought your way through, but luckily you did remember that you had Lex and kept with you know pretty good plan for how to utilize this decent resource mm-hmm. um so like as you were marching back like of off to rescue dobby with this okay we're gonna talk our way through this we're gonna ask our patron for help um did you guys think that was gonna work in character or out of character or did you think you probably would end up fighting harry had a good idea that it might work because <laughs> the way that the guy had mentioned lex it was sort yeah. of this like Eh, you people don't know her if you really are who you say you are Mm -hmm. which i doubt so perry kind of figured maybe we'd have a little tussle but we were gonna come out on top because her plan was to just walk in and go you wanted to say hi to lex well i just thought you'd do it yourself click Mm -hmm. on facetime yeah (laughs) there you go (laughs) yeah yeah i I was pretty sure it was going to work because Lex seems to be the equivalent of the nuclear launch button. You know, just press this button and whatever the thing is that's annoying you will probably stop annoying you because it'll either be scared or dead. That's basically our relationship with her so far. We're helping her because (laughs) we are scared of being dead. That's a good reason to do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's valid. Um, so are you guys worried about how far into the hole you are with Lex when it comes to favors and knowing people's stuff? A little bit. Me? I'm a little worried. Perry? She's a little terrified at this point that they've gotten in so deep and she really just wanted to find that cure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how worried Quinn is about being in the hole to her at this point because so far she has not asked us to do anything other than, hey, this person used to work for me. You're going this way. Make sure they're not dead. Yeah. And also go to this place where we can figure out why these monsters want you dead and what we can do about that. And then... By the way, you've just been dragooned into helping us save the entire world. So it's like everything she said to do has been for some sort of good cause, either for our yeah. for our own lives or to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. So she has yet to try to get us to do anything like, hey, I need you to kill someone, or I need you to rob this house, or I need you to set this family on fire, or you know, just something yeah. like that. I need you to kick this puppy for me. Yeah. Just like give it a good punt. I, yeah, just punt the small adorable dog. <laughs> as hard as you can. Well, I mean, that's, that's where Perry is going to draw a line in the sand. Yeah. So Perry will basically adopt that adorable dog. Aww. I have kinship with dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a problem for future you. Yeah, let those assholes deal with it. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, <laughs> are you guys excited to fight a hag? Yes. Laura is excited to fight a hag. Mm-hmm. Harry is concerned. 
Are you guys familiar with hags like in character? Perry probably has no idea at all what she's getting into. Pretty which is sure, why she's yeah. terrified. Yeah, pretty sure maybe Quinn has heard like a, you know, a folk tale or a bedtime story or something involving a hag. So mm -hmm. he doesn't really know how to piece together what the truth is on that because, I mean, his life has become this completely surreal hallucination sort of experience that's a good way to describe it just kind of like a fever dream of stuff it kind yeah. of has been it's been a it, it's been an interesting time so in his head he's probably trying to piece together well what of these things could they do cast magic probably eat your soul maybe possibly <laughs> yeah well We'll see this Friday, not next yes. week, this Friday. Um, yes. Awesome, awesome. Okay, and with that, we're going to move on to our topic for the day, which is dealing with problematic characters, with problematic, not characters, but actual players, talking about real life stuff, and trouble at the table. So first off, both of you, please share your worst um, tabletop horror story with me right now. And while I hear the trauma. Okay. Okay. You first. I uh, yeah, because I was saying he knows which one I'm going to tell. We he was running a game for us and uh, myself and some friends who somehow decided that they were going to play a pacifist and just the most chaotic necromancer ever. And we got into a great big town battle with airships and the pacifist character wouldn't save her own life and died. Mm -hmm. So then they roll up two brand new characters, a half elf and a full elf. The full elf leans real hard into that elves are racist against everything vibe. Neat. Uh, to the extent that they would actively speak elvish so that my character did not understand them they would refuse to do anything with my character and what was the thing they did that was oh yeah every time the elf spoke to me she would call me a half breed because i was uh -huh. playing an asimar and she would say it's okay i'm a half breed too because she was what, like Sun Elf and High Elf or something. Yeah. But just like yeah. a genuinely very racist character. She was yeah, extremely. atrociously racist to the extent that I left the table, went to another room and cried oh, because no. I was first of all so angry and there was like nothing I could do. I was at the point where I was ready to flip a table. Mm -hmm. And also, like, I had dedicated myself to this character and this campaign. And I was really excited. And there's nothing like being treated like absolute garbage at the table to make you feel miserable. Yeah. Yeah, the game where the, those characters were introduced was the last one that we played. Because at that point, we just were like, oh, sure, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll schedule something. No, we didn't. No. The uh, narrative for rest of development comes in. They didn't. <laughs> and then they did not. Yeah. So were, were you like friends with this person? Yes. We still are friends. They're just, you know how you have friends you can do lots of other things with, but you can't do this like one thing. D&D mm -hmm. &D is that one thing. Yeah. Yeah, they were in our wedding. The guy even designed <laughs> our, um, our wedding invitations. Interesting. Yeah. Just don't let him play elves. <laughs> It wasn't him that was racist, it was his wife. <laughs> oh, don't let his wife play else. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, she doesn't take a very nuanced approach to any character. Like, you know, like the stereotype of rogues is rogues steal everything that isn't nailed mm -hmm. down. That's what she wanted to do with a rogue. Uh, the, she made a centaur cleric that was a pacifist. She wouldn't kill anything. Her whole idea was um, she wasn't going to even kill monsters. She wanted to basically start a zoo. And what she wanted to do was she wanted to basically after the monsters were killed 
heal them to bring them back to life and say, now, if you behave and just come with us to our zoo, you can live safely and then just continue killing them and reviving them until they got with it. So she essentially invented waterboarding in D&D. Kill, bring back, kill, bring back, kill, bring back. And like yeah. for however many times it would take, that was her whole idea. Huh. And that's because she, that was, that was her pacifist. And then there was the, okay, well, I'm an elf. Therefore, if you're not an elf, you're basically street trash. So... Cool. Honestly, like the evil zookeeper is kind of a cool concept, but I feel like when you have concepts like that, you do have to be aware of how that affects your party. Like you can't. She saw nothing wrong with it. They wanted to start small businesses in D and D. Yeah. Like we we had a different campaign, and the 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 first one would have been great. What we were going to do was open a tavern that we would mm-hmm. then hire people to run. And like make an adventurer's guild so that we could go out and have passive income. Cool. Yeah. That would have been really cool. We invited some other people to come join our table and they weren't really into it and it kind of killed that campaign. So we started the new one. And this one was a zoo. Yeah, that was their whole thing is they wanted to build a zoo to generate passive income. They, they didn't really want to play D&D as much as they just wanted to start a small business in fantasy terms. So they could basically be playing adventure capitalist and be earning gold constantly while they're not actually doing anything. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting approach. Yeah, interesting is a word. That's <laughs> oh my god. Huh. Honestly, that's a cool concept, but I feel like they just went about it in kind of a asshole-ish way, like not really taking into account how that was affecting what the other players wanted to do. Anyway, right. I still need a horror story from you, Chad. Yeah, well, I wanted to make sure she went first because a lot of, that's a lot of hers. The most, I don't know, interesting one I can think of is it's a campaign that we're in actually right before we started playing with this whole group that we're with now. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, um, and I still to this day do not know why, the DM of that game, I guess is an effort to try and screw with Laura, had my character start having to, whenever a woman, like a female character came around, and every time he found art for a female character, he would get the most stereotypical, scantily clad like bar wench yeah stuff yeah with boobs that are basically half the size of her body (laughs) and every single and this is every female npc he created Uh every single one this was all of them and he made my character specifically start having to roll wisdom saves to not just stare directly at their tits every single time to the point where i don't know what he was trying to do and I never found out because we eventually just decided that uh, we're kind of done here. So yeah, we, we bounced. Strange. Our going theory was seriously that he thought it was funny to fuck with the couple that was together, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, I don't know how to respond to that. Because we were <laughs> apparently, Siri doesn't understand either. Yeah. Um, Good call, Siri. Because, I mean, we were we've been together a while we started playing in campaigns together mm-hmm. and like it was also like heavily implied in this campaign that all of the uh, female npcs were definitely prettier than my character like they were definitely more attractive yes because he basically pulled every single one scrap of clothing away from porn fantasy image that he could find for creating his female npcs and none of the other characters in the game had to do the same thing that yeah. like any of the other ones that okay yeah you're fine don't even worry about it like yes she has massive boobs but yeah you're 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 a gentleman you're not gonna stare at those meanwhile you roll the wisdom save you ass like okay that's very perplexing choice for a dm to make honestly <laughs> It is. I think, I, I think like trying to make trying on purpose to make your characters uncomfortable is always a perplexing choice as a DM. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. he had a very adversarial relationship with the players in a way. It was like mm. he would he would joke about, oh well, if you miss this week, that's just more monsters I can throw at you during kill you next week. Like 
okay, dude. It's not. Yeah, like literally, we left for our honeymoon, and we weren't going to be in that session. So, like, nobody we they we canceled the session. Yeah. Because we left for our honeymoon, and then we weren't going to be back for two weeks after the wedding. And he was like, "Well, that's okay. I'll just like triple the encounter." And I was like, "You will." What if I just don't play with you anymore? Yeah, what if we're gone for like ever? What if and then, bye? And then we work. Yeah. Man. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, now unfortunately. You have to tell one. Oh, me? Well, yeah, um, obviously. Oh, fuck You're not dog. exempt. Huh? Um. <laughs> Sorry, are you on stream? Can they hear you? Okay, Serenity just said playing with me, and that's not true. Serenity's a joy to play with and to play under. Um, yeah, uh, I don't actually have that many D&D horror stories. Like, so far, my D&D experience has been overall pretty cool. Uh, like, just some minor stuff. Um, oh, there was that one time when I kicked somebody out of my game because they didn't support abortion, but that's, like, I'm not sure if they count as a problem player. Actually, they were a little bit, um, to be honest. Yeah, Matt, do you remember Matt? Serenity's still talking to me. Like, voice of God in my head. Um, yeah, but essentially, there was this one um, character who was playing in Frank's game, which is the game that I started with, um, with Serenity in, and then in my game, which, like, branched off of that, um, I don't know, he was just kind of weird overall, like, he had this one thing, like, they were in a dungeon, um, and he was playing a, he was playing a, um, what's the word, a doppelganger, like, mm. one of those shape-shifty people, which is yeah, a yeah. cool, char cool character, changeling, um, yeah, he was playing a changeling, um, and he, like, shape-shifted into one of the guards, um, and then his, like, he was with, um, a female, like, one of his, who they're both in prison together and they were caught and his um his excuse for like why he was with her is oh i'm just like gonna take her into another room and you know fuck her because that's what we do because we're guards um yeah Oof. so i on the spot uh decided that these guards have a very strict no sexual assault policy and they had to fight their way out um <laughs> But yeah. yeah, and then later on, um, outside of game, like he revealed that he was like anti-abortion and was involved in like some of those weird things where they like give um, people who are seeking abortions like uh, wrong medical literature. So I just was like, okay, I don't think I can yeah, play with no. you. Please, please leave my game. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah, come back. Not, yeah. not welcome. Not welcome no. here. No, go cool away. <laughs> <laughs> go away and never come back. Yeah, but he... Apart from that, he was not a problem, but that was a big enough problem that I didn't want him around. Yeah. I think, yeah, he was, um, the other female players didn't like get along with him that much. TBD, hmm. TBH, yeah, TBH. To be determined. <laughs> you don't know. To you be have to determine. It is to be determined as to whether or not the female players did get along with him. They did. One moment while Truth does some text messaging to find to get answers. Hey, y'all yeah, thought just, that guy was skeevy, right? Hold let me on. Just pop back on the yes. Discord real quick and be like, "Hey, remember Matt? <laughs> hey, remember that skeevy guy? Um, he was skeevy, right? Oh, not, just, not just me. <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. Like Jen would have a whole rant ready for Matt. It's great. Oh, uh, Jen. Um, anyway, so that's my horror story. Um, so pretty much. When it comes to problematic people at the table, you have essentially two categories. One, I think, which is a little bit easier to deal with, and the second, which is a little bit harder to deal with. Those two categories are player and DM. Now, I think if you have a problematic DM who just makes you uncomfortable, who you don't like playing under, that's kind of the whole game. So it's very yeah. hard to find something to do in that situation. You've both revealed that you've had problems before. Like, is there anything that a player can do short of leaving the game to try and like salvage a, a game like that, try to salvage the situation? It kind of depends. I mean, if the, okay. I've known enough people who they have this sort of weird level of privilege where they don't realize what they're doing because they've just been indoctrinated to think, oh, this is fine, you know, who are yeah. accidentally stupid or accidentally hurtful. And they don't realize it until you're like, hey, what the hell? Hey, and this sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? 
And then you explain it and they're like, oh no, I had no idea. So you can kind of talk those people through that sort of thing. Like, hey, you realize this is actually offensive or hurtful or makes people uncomfortable, right? But then there's the other side of that coin of the people who know what they're doing and don't really give a shit if it's making you uncomfortable. So, I mean, it just sort of depends on which which end of that spectrum you're dealing with as far as whether there is a way to salvage it. Because if it's just the person who's, you know, not at all aware of what they're doing, you can talk them through it and help them figure it out. But if they know what they're doing, then it's best to get back on World 20s looking for group forms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a level of comfort you need and a level of knowing that they'll listen. Like with the group that we were in previously, I knew I, we couldn't talk to this guy. He thought he was funny. He thought what he was doing was okay. Anytime anybody would complain, or even, even jokingly say something about, oh, this is weird, or, oh, this is not cool, or, you know, even like jokingly saying, hey, look, this encounter was like way much. He would get like really defensive and argumentative and like when you know that relationship is super adversarial, there's no talking to that person. And that's kind of the situation we were in. And so if you can't talk to them and, and a lot of times, like I won't join a group if I don't feel comfortable with the DM anymore, especially after that. Yeah. Because we, when we left that group, we were at a point where we were miserable every time. And in the back of my head, I kept wondering, what is he going to do to my character? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, is he going to do a thing that crosses the line? Because when he does, I don't think he will give a shit. And so we just bounced. But if you can talk to your DM, if you can be like, hey, okay, that was, that crossed a line. Can we not do that anymore? A good DM, someone you can trust, will be like, "Oh, oh, yeah, no, no, thanks for the heads up. Let's let's not do that anymore." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's especially like, like it especially sucks like when you're a female or female presenting player with a male DM, and like there's sort of like the floating threat of sexual assault against your character because like you don't always know like what what dm is going to think that that's okay without consulting you first because some dms think that's okay without consulting you first like that's definitely happened to my characters in the past i, I think i blocked that out i should have told that horror story um <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you just rediscovered trauma oh, oh no oh no yeah repressed memory repressed memories that wasn't with D. we were playing um Oh, what was it? Uh, Heroes something? Heroes Vault? It's like this really complex, like superhero system, and it was I like really. I know of that. It was I a think really I've heard of it. Yeah, the um, the book is like literally a brick this thick. Yeah. It looks like it looks like Les Mis. Um, yeah. But essentially, like there was this villain who had mind control powers, and um, my character got whammied and raped. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Jessica Jones much. Um, yeah, so that kind of made that game not fun. It was fun previously. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. I mean, um, there is that floating threat, though. And it, it's shameful and terrible. And you see those stories all the time of people saying this sort of thing happened in their game. And for me, it's like, there's no reason for D&D to be dangerous to a female or female-presenting player. No. And... Mm-hmm. The fact that there are DMs out there who will just, eh, it's just pretend. It's a game. That floating, yeah. that floating threat is terrifying. It is another reason that, like, I only play in games I trust mm-hmm. with people I trust. Yeah. And honestly, I'm not going to say, like, a flat no, never on on that kind of thing happening in a game, but it's definitely something you need to clear with players beforehand. And like, if there's, even if there's like going to be a situation where this is a risk, you need to talk to your players before going to the situation. Just be like, just so you know. And you should should always be open to them saying no, so you can figure something else out. Oh, definitely. 
definitely like if you can't work around someone saying no i'm not comfortable with the idea mm-hmm. of my character being sexually assaulted then what the hell business do you have actually being a dm i mean if you right? can't like if you can't creativity not, yeah if you can't not incorporate that into your story what are you george r r martin <laughs> yeah right there are many many uh, like terrible things that you can do your characters that so don't many. involve sexually assaulting them yeah 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 <laughs> So many terrible things. <laughs> anyway, um, so <laughs> that was on topic. Yes. It was. Um, yes it so was. now, normally, like when when you're playing D and D, it's with your friends, um, and you usually end up being friends if you even if you don't start out the way like us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but every so often, you do end up as a player, like playing with someone who you just don't like or don't get along with. Um, so. As a player in that kind of situation, what's the best approach to like dealing with player to player conflict at the table? It depends, honestly, because there's a lot of stuff you can try. Because mm-hmm. um, I mean, we actually were having to deal with something of that not long ago. Um, and yeah, you know what I'm talking about here. Yeah, they, I know what you're yeah, talking about. Because we had players in our group that were checked out unless they were actually in directly involved in what was going on that mm-hmm. couldn't be troubled to write anything down that didn't really seem to care over much yeah or really want to do a lot and also there's a mentality of oh well the second i'm no longer winning i'm not having fun anymore you know and then just checking out on that and then you know, we, like we tried to sort of like talk them back into the whole thing of like, okay, well, you're having trouble with, you know, being present. Is there something that the rest of the group can try to do to sort of, I don't know, help you interact or mm-hmm. help you contribute? Like, how can we make this fun? Yeah. Yeah. What you're is not it having that we fun. can do to try to help you enjoy yourself? And they're but apparently was no solution that would work. So then eventually those people were just asked to leave Mm -hmm. because they, they were basically, I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this. You help me out. Um, I mean, there's a level of, do the people at your table mesh well together? Do you get along? You don't have to be best friends, mm-hmm. but you can't hate each other or be diametrically opposed all the time. Right. And in this situation, it had sort of devolved into kind of both of those things. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we, we all clearly didn't mesh. We had very different ideals about some very, very specific things. And there had been some, like, we're all hanging out in the chat and having a literal fight about vaccination. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that yeah. sort of thing, but also like the, I'm sorry, your stats aren't as great as you'd want, but that doesn't mean we can't still play and have fun mm-hmm. kind of thing. On top of just like, you can't play D&D if you're checked out at the table. You have to be present. Yeah, and like one of the characters, like he was playing a character who whenever they weren't directly involved in whatever was happening, they would literally go fall asleep somewhere and whenever things started getting interesting they wanted to try to re-inject themselves into what was happening but like no sorry you said you went to take a nap over some time way away wake up yeah yeah you unless you wake yourself up you're not coming and i'm sorry you you were rolling let's see you rolled disadvantage on perception to see if you notice the thing nope sorry you don't notice the thing so um sleep on but on, on the other side of that, because those people ended up being just like, we couldn't work anything out, couldn't figure out what, what mm-hmm. it was that was going on. Then there's actually another guy that uh, we actually still play with right now, who was kind of in that same boat for a little, because he was playing a wizard, because that is literally the first character class he read about <laughs> and didn't want to read anymore. So he made a wizard. And that's as far as he went. He didn't know how his own spells worked. He couldn't remember his own backstory. The DM kept having to just spoon feed him everything as we went. And it was the point where like, 
we kind of wanted to privately strangle him <laughs> for all this, but then we, we did sort of figure out that the reason he was not really paying much attention and he was sort of checked out was the vibe that the other people were putting out because the second yeah. they were no longer in the game, he completely turned everything around yeah. to the point where he is really fun to play with now, even though he does keep casting hypnotic pattern at the worst times, you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, good old hypnotic pattern. Yeah, so that's a happy story. Yeah. Nice. Because, I mean, it just depends on like what is what is the problem, and can mm -hmm. you talk your way through it? Can you yeah. help the other person figure out what it is that is making them not have fun or making them unable to engage? And if you can, then cool. Because you know everybody that wants to have a place at a table, as long as they are willing to engage in the give and take that is any TTRPG, should have a place at a table. Yeah. You know as long as you're willing to be there and show respect, you, you should be welcome. But if you're not, then there's a door, show yourself out. <laughs> Learn some manners. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, cause D&D is such a fulfilling hobby. So mm -hmm. I think if you can figure out a way to keep people at the table to figure out what it is making it not, making them not able to engage or not able to have fun. Like if you can solve that problem, it's a good thing to do that. But some, some circumstances that we've seen like are not salvageable just because other people are not willing to put in the work right. or for whatever reason. Um, now, from another perspective, as a DM, what can you do when players are having conflict at the table? Hmm. I mean, first, of, first and foremost, you know, if, you, if you're picking up those vibes saying something, be like, hey, y'all, is there a problem? Because, I mean, you really want your players to be able to work their things out on their own. But if they can't, then there is an element of, you need to sit down, you need to talk this out. What you're doing is coming to the table. And when it comes to the table, that's when it's a problem. Mm -hmm. um, so when you see those things, it's sort of like you see something, you say something. Um, because Like with terrorism. Because with that kind of thing, it can really destroy a game. Because once once that conflict bleeds from your players into your characters, everything can start to go to shit in a heartbeat. And it's no longer fun for anybody. Yeah, that, that's pretty much what you can do. Because as the DM, you basically have some responsibility for the mental health and well-being of the people that are at your table while they're at your table you know so if people are starting to get aggravated with one another or if they're starting to be unable to interact in any way that is not aggressive then you do kind of have to step in and say why is there a reason you're doing this in character, I get this thing that you did, but what about these other six that just sound like you're being a dick, you know? Like, can you explain this to me and tell me why you're doing this and why is it specifically this other person, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it is, of course, the sacred duty of the DM to make sure your players are having fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because if you're not trying to do that, then again, what business do you have being at that end of the table? <laughs> It's where the civility at the table is everyone's job. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. it's the DM's responsibility to, you know, make sure things are running smoothly, but it is also the player's responsibility to recognize their own shit. Like, we're, well, when it's grown folks, we're all adults playing this game. Like, I mean, we're not children. When it's literal children, it's different. Even though we are literally playing make-believe. We're not children. We're not children. <laughs> We're um, grown-ups, damn it. <laughs> I mean, when, so when you're dealing improv, with, and, and, and so much of the D&D community right now is grown-ass adults. When you're a grown-ass adult, behave like one. If you have a problem, say something. Don't just sit there and be passive-aggressive and hateful and let your character be bitchy for mm -hmm. four sessions before you say, hey, what you did wasn't cool out of character. Mm -hmm. Can you back off? Because yeah. mind control and mind reading is not real. 
outside of rolling the dice and you need to be able to own your own shit and deal with it yeah it's sometimes difficult to get people that are grown-ass adults to actually behave like grown-ass adults instead of grown asses (laughs) true oh true beans true beans um like cool beans but true i get it i see okay yeah so speaking of civility do you guys have like your top table etiquette tips for like new players like what do you not do at the table basics the easiest thing is something that you know a while ago will wheaton had a whole essay on don't be a dick <laughs> just like in general just don't be a dick you know show respect and treat other people like human beings and be ready to engage with people don't stonewall people you know like it's it is literally a give and take yes and game don't sit there going no 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 because things aren't going your way right now think about what you can do to try and work with what you have in the moment and then turn Mm -hmm. things around by getting everyone else to work with you I'm, I'm sorry you're not winning right now. What can you do to fix it that isn't just sitting there and being a toddler? Um, but that's just it. Just don't be a dick. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think one of the number one rules, everybody wants to be the hero. Everybody wants to be the star of the show. But remember that this is not about being in the spotlight. Just because you're the one rolling, you're rolling the dice this moment does not mean it is all your show all the time. Everybody's character needs their moment to speak and to shine and to do their thing. So often- Multiple protagonists. Yes, this is not not your character's show and everybody else is your sidekick. This is an ensemble cast and you need to share the scene. Definitely. Cool. Yeah, those are um, both very good pieces of advice. One that I would add is, I think you should, it's okay to be very new at D&D, but you should mm-hmm. have at least a tiny bit of an idea what your character does and is capable of, because people will get annoyed with you if you forget your spells or, or your own abilities or your own yeah. abilities or Jay. you just simply do not. Have- <laughs> <laughs> We're looking at you. <laughs> Guy makes the most hodgepodge, weirdest, multi-class characters ever and forgets half of his abilities and you just, you, you want to punch him. But narratively, him. they're so brilliant that you they're can't so fun. help but love them. Oh my God, narratively, narratively they're, they're just amazing. like, narratively, it's like a revelation. Like, oh, mm-hmm. this this makes perfect sense this for the story. thing you described. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, I absolutely believe this work, but on paper, whenever he forgets his abilities, it's a garbage heap. <laughs> <laughs> But knowing yeah. your stuff is really important. Yes, no, that being stuff. said, we love you, Jay. <laughs> we love you, Jay. A brilliant storyteller um, who doesn't want to read. <laughs> but you know what? It's a mood. It's a mood. I don't blame him. Um, but yeah, for new character, for um, new players, obviously, they shouldn't be that worried about knowing all the rules or anything because they can ask the DM, they can ask the other players, they can rely a little bit on, you can rely on your friends to a pretty yeah. large degree to know what's going on. But you do need to know your own shit. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool beans. Um, let's see, do we have time for one more question? Maybe. Do, 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 do. Depends on how long the answer is. I'm gonna say let's risk it. Let's risk it, guys. Okay, um, so how much do you think like bleed is an issue? Like how much is there a risk that in-character conflicts will bleed out? It can, depends on how deep in character somebody gets. Mm-hmm. And I, I have, I kind of have a problem with doing that sometimes myself because I just, you know, I have many, many issues. So I need to remind myself that just because somebody's character is shouting down every idea my character has doesn't mean that person isn't actually my friend. It just means my character is having some maybe bad ideas or maybe their character is just being a bitch right now. Either one doesn't mean that they hate me personally. Mm-hmm. You know? So... It, it can be a problem. You just have to try to remember that it, it is not you, even though it may be a piece of you. It is not actually. I mean, I think I think it's a level of, it depends on how severe the conflict is and how long it's been going 
And also like, there's this level of how personal does this start to feel? Mm-hmm. Like it's one thing for, because my characters have gotten into fist fights with PCs multiple times. It's one thing to throw a punch at a player character for there being a shit, like initial meetings. But it's another to take that so personally that now you can't get along at the table. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a level of understanding and separation between you and character that needs to happen. And you need to bring that to the table. You need to remember that you are a human being. You are not your tiefling. You are not your drow. What's happening to your character, unless it's something traumatic, what's happening to your character is not happening to you. I mean, that isn't to say that when someone steps over the line, it isn't personal, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't affect you. But at the same time, do not take an in-character fight to be a slight against yourself. Just because I don't agree with your idea does not mean I think you're stupid. Yeah. Maybe my character thinks your character's stupid right now, but I don't. <laughs> Just because like, your character has a stupid idea. you're looking at another person at the table not their character and right. the same goes for you yeah just because your character has a stupid idea doesn't mean you're a moron that just because you created that character and that is the thing your character would suggest it just means that someone else doesn't agree in character with the thing your character said at the moment yes definitely um to wrap up i think in general like people as they're playing should keep in mind that if you're ending like every session feeling upset something is wrong yes Mm -hmm. and you should be communicating with your dm and with the other players to try to figure out what that is and there are plenty of ways to fix this sometimes you can sometimes you can't but that's not the way dnd should be no should be fun yes Okay, and that's all of our time for tonight. So thank you, Chad and Laura, for joining me today. Thank you, everyone who's watching. Um, Thank you to Lady Meows and um, Sunbird for designing our logo and our theme song. Stick around afterwards for links and resources. And we will see you next week. Oh, and tune in on Friday for the next episode of Roll for Damage. Bye. Let's go fight. 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 Fight.